Tiffany, uh, yes, so COVID has turned me into my pop. When I was, so my, my, my mum's father, who actually died, he passed away. He was sort of, my, my mum was the youngest. He, he had her when he was quite old. So in my, in my sort of early teens, he was already in his 80s. He passed away when I was 17. But I have these vague memories of when I was with, they lived in Gympie and when we'd go out, he would always, he like had this eternal supply of combs because he rocked from like when he was 20 right through to when he died, he was a rocking a flat top. And so he had the curry comb thing, you remember? And when we would go out, he would always say to me, and he call, always called me son or Sonny, Sonny, do you need a comb? And I was like, what on earth would I need a comb for? But it was like he, he never left the house without a comb. Did anyone else have someone like, he never left the house without a comb. Um, COVID and this beard and that mask has turned me into my pop where I realise I've got a constantly combing down. Anyway, great way to start a sermon, Graham, you're going really well. <laughs> Excellent. Um, hey, we are, uh, I do need my little um, thingy bobby. How is everyone doing? Great to hear. We are continuing on um, today with the, the message on the big reveal. I'm going to talk to you about that in a moment. But before we do, um, I just want to talk to you about a couple of things that are coming up. Um, oh no. Can you go to the info forums, mate? Um, there we go. Coming up this week, I am uh, going to be running a number of forums where I'm going to invite all of the church to come. There's a couple of things that are going on in our life um, around uh, to give some up and uh, some information on an update on some really good things that are happening. Um, I was actually going to do one as of Friday. I was going to do one straight after the service. That was a great idea. Friday, come uh, Saturday midday. That wasn't going to happen. So it's, don't worry about that one. Um, but I'm going to run a bunch of these, and we might even run them into next week because it's one of those times where. Um, I, I, I'm going to run these forums for as long as we sort of get a majority of people who can come along. So I'm going to, I'm happy to, to be doing this to, you know, groups of two or three or whatever. And I'll sort of keep going because there are just some important things. And rather than fill up Sunday mornings, which are all already so um, sort of pressured for time uh, with the way we're, we're running things, we're just going to, you know, you only need to come to one of these, but there's going to be a whole lot coming until we've got a bit of a sense that no one's going to come. Till I'm just talking to the back wall, uh, really. So that's in the next couple of weeks. You will get some information about that later this afternoon. I'm going to do one tonight. If that works for people, I'm going to try and find different times that might sort of flow with your lifestyle as well. Um, so just to let you know that's happening in the next couple of weeks, you'll get some information about it this afternoon. But if you just want to rock up, if it works for you, 5pm this afternoon, you can come to that. Otherwise, there'll be some um, other times rolling on through the week. Cool. Thanks. If we go back to the big reveal. So um, this has been, we're, we're looking at the book of Revelation. And this sermon talk, we might have mentioned this, has sort of been on particularly on Josh's heart for, for a while now. And I'm so glad we are, um, you know, probably even back to the end of last year as we were planning out the road ahead and what, what we felt like we wanted to look deeply into in our teaching time. Um, Josh kind of felt like it was, you know, it might be uh, appropriate to look at Revelation. The further we are going and where we find ourselves in the world right now, I'm so glad we are now looking deeply into Revelation. We wouldn't have really predicted when we started talking about this and the timing 
last year ago how relevant it would be because it feels like not only is our, I guess, the, the teaching series of the church taking us to Revelation, the kind of the world is taking us into Revelation. So it's good that we're going there because, you know, and particularly with the, the COVID stuff that's going on and the vaccine and this passport thing, it's going it's to be a, like, have you picked up? It's going to be a big thing. It's going to be a particularly challenging thing for churches. And so there's all sorts of reasons, understandable and good reasons, that people are reaching into Revelation. And so I feel like it's such affirmation that God wants to do something in us that a year ago, before we had any sense of how significant and important it would be, uh, we had this sense of we're jumping in. So I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to God and, and, and I know people have sort of been responding. Last couple of weeks, Josh has been doing like a, a little bit of a, it's like a ramp. We're doing the... We're doing the work so that we come and we can really see and hear God through, the, uh, through Scripture. I'm going to continue it, but somewhat controversially, I'm not actually going to be talking from Revelation. I'm going back to Matthew. And it has an agricultural theme, uh, which I am thoroughly qualified to talk to at depth. Um, because I have two very green thumbs. That's not actually true. Very significant. It's great to have the Robinsons here. Paul and Katrina Robinson, much love, people. Now, there, I feel like there's some sort of, you know, it's like the spirit anointing of you guys being here this morning because, in, in irony, um, Paul and Katrina are actually genuinely two of the people who I've known on the planet longer than anyone. So Katrina and I actually went to primary school together. She lived around the corner. Paul grew up in the same street. Um, we became mates at like 17 and he's been one of my, you know, we've sort of followed each other around the world and around uh, the place. If you ask me at 17, who is the one, who is the guy amongst your friends who is the last person to sell up and go and live on a farm, I'd go, oh, that's Paul Robinson you're talking about there. And that's what they're doing. They live out on a farm and he's got a banjo and he sits on the porch and he's got cattle. And you should really be his friend on Facebook because there really is, I mean, I, who follows Paul on Facebook? It's, they're great shots. He loves being a farmer. I still can't figure it out. But he loves it. Um, so I feel like there's a real theme here. I know you're, a, you're into cattle. This is more about wheat. Do you grow wheat? Wheat. Perfect. Right on cue. Thank you. Excellent. Um, this is called Don't Whack the Weeds. We're going to look at Matthew 13. I want to jump in. Um, Matthew 13 is actually got an... Uh, it's where Jesus is telling parables. Um, and they all relate to each other, but I'm going I'm to zoom in on the one that's sort of in the middle of this. Um, they all relate, relate to each other. They've all got an agricultural theme. Um, and before we go there, there's another story I want to tell you uh, that, that I think this might help as you go through it. Um, oh, before I do that, this is also the, the lens we're looking to. This is some of the work that Josh has been doing, and I think this is really worthwhile mentioning almost every single time before we start Revelation till it's like really... Um, imprinted on our, in our heads and our hearts. And because when we, when we go to Revelation, we often, and you might be familiar with the term um, apocalyptic literature, it's referred to apocalyptic literature. And because of the imagery and the scenes of Revelation, but also other parts that are referred to as apocalyptic literature in Scripture, Daniel is one, um, there's some commonality where actually the sort of running definition we tend to have, and Josh unpacked this, is apocalypse means... That's where the world goes to hell in a handbasket. Crazy stuff happens. 
um, and it's all about doom and destruction. That's what apocalypse, uh, apocalypse means. Um, those elements are there, but Josh brought us back to the, the original word, and I think this is so important. To have an apocalypsis, which is the Greek word, is for something to be revealed. So it's a little bit more sedate. It's still significant. It's still profound. It's still vital. But something is being revealed. So when we come to this series every week, pray, God, reveal something. And actually, we, kind of, we did a spoiler right at the very start. You know who is being revealed? It's not the Antichrist. It's not the mark of the beast. It's not all these other things that are very interesting and they play a role. Who is being revealed? Jesus. So if you want to get the most out of Revelation and out of this series, pray every single time. That's what I want to pause and pray right now. Jesus, reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. And if you pray that prayer and come with that, you'll be flowing with the Spirit of God. But as we're going to see, you can bring other questions and you can have other f- sort of foci. That's the plural focus, right? You can have other things you can bring to it and you might have stuff revealed, but you should be cautious about what is being revealed and whether or not that's actually the essence of what, what God is saying through Revelation. Now, Matthew, you'll recognize when we tell this story, it's, it's, there's an apocalypsis going on here where Jesus is telling a parable and you'll recognize the very, very similar themes that we find in those other apocalyptic parts of the book. So there's this good versus evil, evil thing going on. There's, there's, it's quite dramatic. There's a kind of a judgment thing and here's what's going to happen at the end of the age and it mentions fire and it's got angels. It's, so it's got all these things going on in Matthew. What is revealed here, and again, I'm going to, do a thing that they tell you never to do in preaching school and certainly never to do in, in like script film writing school. Don't give away the end at the beginning, but I am. What it also, I'll give you a hint, what it also really reveals, and this is what we're going to see, it reveals what is the role of followers of Jesus. So it's, it's this kind of snapshot of the kingdom. It's one of those parables where Jesus starts by saying the kingdom of God is like, actually, you know it's important because he starts, even before that, he says something else. Do you know what it is? Has anyone got ears? You probably should listen then. Kind of, it kind of goes on two levels. He's kind of saying, look, anyone got ears out there, then this is probably pretty important for you. It's also saying, hmm, you're going to have to listen well because you might miss what's going on here. So he starts with that and then he says, the kingdom of God is like, and it opens up from there. Um, this is what I want to show you. This is my backyard. Uh, and I mentioned on the way in, my friend Tesfaye has got a starring role here because every so often, um, that is actually a veggie patch that the owner, we rent the house and the owner built a veggie patch there. And, you know, they've sectioned it off from the rest of the garden. Um, and every now and then, as in quite often, it looks like that. And I call up Tesfaye, who is, who is a gifted green thumb and has a passion and a business in landscape, and I say, Tesfaye, time to do that thing you do. Um, and he comes around, and uh, he looks at this, and he goes, there's only one thing for it, that. Because there is nothing good in there at all. But when Tesfaye does that, there's also this little ritual we've had, little dance, where afterwards, pastor, you could grow so many good things in there. You come around to my place, and I'll show you the pawpaws and the... 
and, and he has an amazing, I know some of you have seen it, he has an amazing garden. You could grow tomatoes and you could grow herbs and this is what this is for. You know, he levels it, but he's got such a compelling vision of what it should be and it's not weeds. And he says, this is, now I think actually, Tesfa, you've probably given up. You've probably realised that's good seed on, on rocky ground, which was another one of the parables he tells. Um, but it's not, and it's not as though I don't believe him or love it. I, look, every now and then I think he slips in something like you could grow, grow Brussels sprouts or um, cucumber. That sort of turns me off a little. But mostly he's painting this compelling picture of what it could be. Uh, but he's also very clear to know there's nothing good in there at the moment. And so he gets the weed whacker out and he whacks the weeds. Now... This is going to be a perfect story of what's happening in my backyard. It's kind of what's happening in Matthew when we, read it, when we read it. Fortunately, this is one of those parables. You know, often, often Jesus, uh, the parables he tells, it's you, you, afterwards we're still going, well, what the? You know, like th- there's some where he is being deliberately sort of a little opaque, less clear. This is not one of those. And interestingly, let me take a little sidebar here for just a moment or two. What he's doing is actually he's in vision casting mode. It's what Tesfa has been trying to do to me. Cast of what, this is what this could look like. And, and this is Jesus, when, particularly when he's saying these parables, the kingdom of God is like this. He's selling a vision and inviting people because he often says the kingdom of God is near. And it's an invitation. He's saying it's like you could reach out and touch it. It's so close to you. It's within your grasp is, is the language. He's referring to himself because it's, um, it's through Jesus that we enter the kingdom of God, through our relationship and identification with his life, with his death, with his resurrection. So he's saying all these things in code and sometimes they're very coded, but here he's like making it really clear, which is interesting because it's less common he does that. So we should pay attention to the fact that he's being really clear about some things. And that's what I'm trying to, I hope to underline uh, this, this morning. One of the things I've mentioned before, that I spent um, sort of the, the late part of the, the noughties and then the early part of the, what comes after the noughties? The, from 2004 till about 2012 or so, working with a, a bunch of people doing, working with churches and, and organisations around vision, around capturing vision mission and values and it was the the sort of the way in which we did it was to try and get churches in particular christian groups engaged so that they had clear sense of who they are what they've been called to do so it could turn into well what should we do that about about that on monday because one of the great challenges of churches is kind of the vision so big so trying to hone that down now that's where we used things that a lot of you will be very familiar with if you're in any kind of endeavor really these days it's rhetoric it's it's phrases and language that's short and sharp around your vision which is a picture of a preferred future your mission which is what we uniquely exist to do as we're successful in our mission our vision will be achieved you talk about values and there's kind of a way you come at this whether you're in education or whether you're in um, business or whatever these things become really important and that's good and it is important. One of the challenges I found with doing it in the church, with the church, is that it's, it, it, it's not particularly sticky. So close your eyes. Here, let me do a, th- a thing with you. Close your eyes and think back to a, 
to a group, uh, whether it was a job, a church, um, a Christian organisation or, or outside that, that you were involved with 15, 20 years ago. And tell me what their mission statement was. Now, don't just say it in your head. Now, when I've done this with people, it's usually some people are, go bang, straight to it. Other people's like, oh, I think it's something about something about something. I think it's, you know, it's a bit like, now, let me ask you, eyes closed again, think of a compelling parable that Jesus told that outlined the kingdom of God, which was 2,000 years ago, by the way. And you've all gone straight to something. You've all gone straight to something. And what's more, you can open your eyes now. What's more, we could, let's say if we took something like the, the parable of the, um, of, the good, uh, of the prodigal son. We would all, even people who might be in here who are new to church, would be able to probably do a pretty good job of telling that story. But certainly if you've been around church, one after another, we would come up and none of us would tell the story the same. None of us would use the same words. But we'd all be able to say, oh, that's the prodigal son. We could get the kids to come up and tell that story. What's more, we'd all have slightly different emphasis. Someone who's been a prodigal would might have a bit of a slant. Someone who feels like they've really resonated with the heart of the father would tell it. Someone who feels like they've been the older brother would. The parables have such room for everyone to know the heart but identify it. If we went to a different culture, they would tell it slightly differently but it's still recognisable. So one of the things we're doing this project at the moment where we're trying to capture our sense of identity and I talked a couple of weeks ago and a lot of people really resonated with this. One of the ways we're trying to talk in this season is one way about being between two things. What are we staying faithful to and what are we pursuing? Because humans, we tend to just go towards one thing. What's the one thing I need to know? Well, life's not like that. Multiple things can be true and important and we've got to, you know, that, that helps us to, to define life. I wonder... And as we go through today, I wonder, this is a conversation I've been having with the people who are helping us, but is there a way we could tell a story that doesn't require the whole church knowing the same eight words and saying it in rote that maybe or maybe not half of you might forget in 10 years? What if we could tell such a, com- such a compelling story that says, Cornerstone is like this, and we get our musicians to write songs that we'd recognise and we'd get our painters to do art that rec- and we'd all recognise it but we could all carry it in a different way because that's what Jesus did. And what you're going to see here is a story that has lasted in its simplicity for thousands of years and is as razor sharp today, potentially as important if more important than it's ever been because that's the power of story. That's the divine genius of narrative and of story, and that's what we see here. Let's jump in. Matthew 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. I'll read it from up here. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds amongst among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Do you want us to get the weed whacker out? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. 
Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Beautifully simple. He's not being opaque here, straight away. He's giving us a picture of what the world is like. There's good things going on and there's evil. And he's to the point. He's saying, oh, that's because a little later the, the disciples, they often do this after you tell the stories, they'd come aside and say, Some, you kind of get the feeling, maybe it's a bit of poetic license, a bit of sheepiness. I know we're, I know we're like the disciples, but like what the? <laughs> Could you just hunt back? They did the same here. I wonder if it's like, now we think we've got this one, but just to be sure, because we've been wrong, could you just be clear? And Jesus says, sure. And it's just straightforward. He says, the farmer is the son of man. He's referring to himself. Interestingly, the son of man is a phrase from Daniel that's pulled out. It's got this, again, you've got this apocalypsis thing going on where things are being revealed. You've got the good versus evil. You've got something's happening at the end of the age. It's all there. Really interestingly as well, what this, this is again why I want to underline this point this morning of why we need to listen here because this, Jesus said this parable 50 years or so before John had the revelation. So we see the apocalypsis, we see the con continuity but there's a sense in which John's revelation came through the words of Jesus, came through this. So Jesus speaks first here. So there's a sense in which we need to understand revelation in the light of Matthew 13 and other things because this is what came first and it's also the direct words of Jesus. So there's a theological thing there we've got to make sure we do. We don't interpret Matthew 13 in the light of, revela in, in the light of, your, in the light of your take on revelation. We need to go through the words of Jesus here and he's being pretty clear and he even proves his work. He says, look, yep, I'm, I'm sowing the good seed. The workers are the followers of Jesus. The, the enemy is the devil. Just to be really clear about that, there is a personified force at work in the world for, for harm and for evil. There's no doubt about that. That's, and this is kind of, you kind of go, oh, well, this makes sense of the world I experienced. To tell me there isn't doesn't really make sense of the world. So he's helping us make sense of the world. And he says... Something's going to happen at the end. And I could just about, and in fact, I, I could just finish it here to just go underline the point. In fact, I, I want to, I want to stop here and say, really the point of this whole message is for you to be clear about what is your role. Someone tell me, what's our role in this story? It's not trick, it's right there. Do we whack weeds or do we, do we plant seeds? Do we plant wheat or do we whack weeds? Is Jesus being ambiguous at all? He's saying, no, 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 because the, the good servants, they're called good servants because he's saying their heart is with the farmer. He, well, they want to do the right thing. There's nothing wrong with the question. Should we go and pull them up? No, you shouldn't. What's also abundantly clear, who is going to do that work? Whose job is it to do that work? I'm going to do that. In fact, actually, he spells it out in Matthew 13. He even underlines this point where he says, actually, at the end of the age, he will command the angelic being. Now, it's a little bit mysterious, but the point he's saying is that will be a work that's clearly in the realm of God. Even in the harvest time of how that's done, he talks about appointing angelic beings. I don't know what that's going to look like. I just know I'm not one, and he's going to sort it. And this is the point. Yet again, we come to, we come to these passages where Jesus says, I know the world as you go about doing good, 
planting wheat in the world, you are going to come across weeds. You will. You will come across evil and you will want to rip it up. You will be so, particularly if you're all in on the wheat sort of farming project I've got going, you'll be offended by that and you'll be drawn to want to do something about it because it's direct opposite of what you hear me say. But don't. Don't do that. Now, straight away, a whole bunch of you are going, and you should. Yeah, but in Scripture, there's these other times when Jesus does talk about what we should do with kind of evil and bad ideas and wrong and confronting. Yeah, that's true. We have passages. Matthew, Jesus, just in Matthew 7, says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite, strong words. He's talking to his disciples. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see see clearly to remove the speck of your brother's eye. If you're... Let me go to my garden and let's say Tesfaye wins. And, and I think he will win over and I feel like this is even the word of the Lord to me today, Tesfaye. I repent of all of the times. You, you've been, you are the voice of God to me in many areas. Let's say we agree we're going to start our own wheat planting project in my backyard but we're not, we're not doing wheat, we'll do other things. As we do that, even if Tesfaye, we clear all of that, the weeds will come back, right? The weeds will, there's a gardener, <laughs> yep, they will. The weeds will come back. Do I ignore the weeds? No, it's part of the job of planting wheat, right? Do I, as they grow, go, you know what? I'm switching from the wheat planting to just finding the weeds. I'm ignoring the wheat. I'm ignoring the, the health of the tomatoes or the pawpaws or whatever. I'm just going to come in looking for the weeds. Would that be good gardening? Is that good farming? Speak to us of wisdom, O bearded one. <laughs> Probably not. Do I just go looking for the parasites on the beast? On the, you know, the, the, it doesn't. Imagine a church that got so confused about its role that it thought its place in the world was to go and find evil and whack it. Imagine. Imagine. Unfortunately, we don't, do we? Have to imagine that hard. I was going to throw up. Um, I was going to throw up a picture here of because the classic thing. Maybe you've gone to is because at times like this, it's very convenient. Westboro Baptist Church, where they've got a clo- who would go to um, funerals of um, fallen um, veterans in the U.S. and picket them with horrible signs and go to um, places where gay and lesbian people meet and pick it with horrible lines. I was going to put up an example of that, but here's the thing. And this is really that I'm now weed whacking when I do that. Because the point of this, go and plant wheat, don't whack weeds, is actually Jesus saying his fault, because you're not good at it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an experienced gardener. I'm Tesfaye. You're Graham. <laughs> don't. Don't do it. 
you, you're not good at it. It's not your position. It's not your role. Stay in your lane. But also, it's not, you're not good at it. And so I throw a photo up. And I went as far as to actually sort of look at that. I was coming down this line, not thinking. And I came across a TED Talk by a girl who was five at the time. And she's talking about how traumatised she's been of what she did. And I thought, look at me. Look at me going whack weeds. When, when actually those people... Because the difference between the wheat and the weed, between the good and evil, goes right down the middle of my heart. I am both weed and wheat. And actually, there's Jesus even unpacks this even more gloriously. There's something hidden in the language for us here. It's hidden for us. If we do some work in the language, let me... Oh, the word behind, is some, in some of your um, scriptures, it'll say tares. It's the, you might know this is the wheat and the tares. Um, so, how do I say this again, Josh? I've I got you to practice. Zizanian? Zizanian, that'll work. Zizanian is the word behind that. And it's rendered either weeds or tares in most in English. But actually the first readers, do you remember this thing? The, the Bible is not written to you, it's written for you. This was written to people at the time. And when they heard, that's a Greek word, they would have heard a different word when Jesus is telling this. They heard effectively a word, actually a very literal weed. And some of you, and, it's, and in fact in some scriptures, it says Darnell. Now Darnell is actually a weed. And Darnell, I know the kids are in this morning, so I'll be delicate here. Darnell has a cloak, uh, has even, like farmers of the time, had an even more colloquial term for it, and it was called illegitimate wheat. That was its name. Before Jesus has told this parable, he says Darnell. They go, oh, that's illegitimate wheat. Oh, we get what he's saying here, because here's Darnell and here's wheat. And actually, when Jesus says, at the end of the age when the wheat has produced a harvest, because actually if you farm wheat and you know about Darnell, and it still exists, you can actually go on to like non-Christian sites and they talk all about this phenomenon. If you actually go, uh, if you know this, you know that actually the, really the only way that you can tell the difference sometimes is until the ears of the wheat appear. The fruit appears. Oh, the levels, the layers of truth in this. So actually, even before this picture, I tried to find one that even before this, because you can see the similarity there, but when they're growing is just like bits of grass, you can't tell them apart. So the wheat does really grow with the tars, tares. You are not good enough to tell the difference. You are not good enough. So when Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged, He's saying, sure, there's a discernment. You need to recognise what is right and wrong. And we come to the word so that we are soaked in what wheat looks like. And we can recognise what Darnell looks like. But you don't know when it's growing in a person. And he says, that eternal value, that judging there is not discernment between good and evil. There's a call to do that. But it's when you put a value on it. When you make an eternal value, don't... That's not your job. You're not good at it. And then it goes even a little deeper. Let's say we get the garden going, Tesfaye. We'd be happy if it got here. There are weeds in that garden there. Now, I know, I know myself enough. One of the re resistance here about gardening is it takes patience and time. And it's frustrating. 
and you go away for a couple of weeks and you come back and it looks like it's all Darnell. And some of those naughty words might come out. It takes something. If you are going to be engaged in God's project of planting wheat in the world, you are going to, it's going to be frustrating. You're going to feel like you're going nowhere. And if I could come back from a holiday and kind of look at the whole thing and go, this is just so too hard, too frustrating, where is my weed whacker? We can do that as humans. Let, let, me, let me own it. You know, for, for a good, the most of my life, adult life, we, Christy and I, um, uh, shaped our lives around saying we want to be part of the wheat project. We want to be part of the wheat project. And actually, we chose to do that and felt led to do that in the context of church. I know people who do it far better and it doesn't mean you have to leave your job. They're engineers or they're teachers. It's got nothing to do with being a professional Christian. But we just tried to take seriously the wheat project and shape our lives around it. And the number of times we're ready to reach for the whippersnipper and just level because it's just not fair. It's too hard. It's, it's, and so I recognise that. And so I'm glad Jesus brings me back to passages where we go, that's not your role. I'm glad the words of Paul who got it. And he speaks to us and says, don't grow weary in doing good because you can. You think you go into this and you think, oh, I'm serving God. It's all upwards from here. Paul says, no, 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 no. No, no, you, you'll grow. It'll be tiring. He said, but don't give up. At the proper time, look at the language. Look at him speaking through Matthew 13, Jesus' words. At the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. There's a, there's a version that says, don't grow weary of good because eventually, someday, if you don't give up. Now, that's not a very compelling... <laughs> that's a call to perseverance. That's a call to discipline. So Jesus knows what this is like. And he says, leave that weed whacking to me because you could do it in the wrong spirit and wreck it. You won't know. The, weed, the wheat is still revealing itself in the people around you. When you see, and I'm so thankful, I, I, I think here of, I'm so thankful for the influence of Clem in my life and people like Clem, there are other his. Clem just keeps planting wheat. He knows, he has a discernment and, and there are others. That, he has a discernment between good and sharper than mine. He sees it and yet he continues to resolve to just plant wheat. I'm so thankful for that. Sometimes that gets portrayed I, Chris Newington's another one of them. I could go around to a bunch of people here. sometimes that gets p- portrayed as n- naivety or kind of something no 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 that's maturity and wisdom these people know and see they can uh, they've got a right a discernment to see between good and evil yet they get what Jesus is saying that's not your job plant wheat plant wheat can I get the team up we're going to spend some moments finishing. This is the message version. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, hear Paul speaking through Matthew 13. Here's your role right now. Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Plant wheat. You've got good seed. Plant wheat. 
starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith, there are times when that's hardest. Actually, sometimes it's hardest to start in your own family, isn't it? Plant wheat. When we come to Revelation and we read Revelation after we've heard clearly one, one of the most clearest parables there is about what our role in is in the kingdom and what isn't. We put the weed whacker on the shelf, we lock it away, and we just get serious about planting wheat. We are going to get weary. It's going to be unfair. It's going to, you are going to come, because the more you do that, the more you see the, the weeds in the world, you are going to want to go and unlock the cupboard and pull it out. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Come and let me reveal myself in Revelation. Because as hard as you've got it, the first readers of Revelation as a church, they were way more in the weeds. And Jesus says, no, no, no. This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. And the point of revealing, look, yeah, there's, we're going to name it. There's evil in the world. I am going to deal with that. Because there have been times when I've met God in these moments. I said, look, I'm, I'm ready to get out. I'm ready to take the weed eater. He says, that's all right. It's mine. It's okay. And, and the deposit of justice, the reaf- it, that it's his role and he is going to deal with it in time. I don't understand. doesn't seem. I'm still waiting. It's the now, but not yet. But something can happen when I come to Revelation and that is revealed. I can breathe out. Because actually, I really love planting wheat. It's actually a joy. But it's okay to bring that honesty. It's okay to bring that honesty to God. He is not afraid of your truth. Wherever you're at, however close. Maybe you're holding the weed eater. Maybe you're mid-sweet. Just give him a moment to come and say, I'll do that. It will be okay. This is the Spirit of God in Revelation. And he can reveal that to you now. And we're going to take a moment to do that, where you bring, you bring the weeds in your life that you see. But put down the weed eater and bring them to God and say, God, help me with this. This is what I see. We're going to do that thing or play, the, play a song we did it a couple of weeks ago. Just give some space. We're going to wait on God. Um, we see all through the book of Psalm, psalmists who were not afraid to say, when, O oh God? Why, O oh God? How long? That's such a biblical question. But they bring it to God. And the Spirit of God responds like this. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Let's just spend some moments. I think, did everyone get, we didn't get, let's just spend some moments reflecting on this and then we're going to just finish our time in worship as well. Thanks, Brett.